We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the season took a turn this weekend. LeBron suffered a high ankle sprain against the Atlanta Hawks. He is currently on an indefinite timeline, but normally high ankle sprains take a few weeks, at the very least, to heal. So now the Lakers are presented with adversity for really the the first time this season in a big way, right? Without LeBron and Anthony Davis. Further to that, Marcus has been cleared from health and safety protocols, but Frank Vogel said the other day that he's pretty wiped out from a conditioning standpoint. So he may be out another couple of games as well. Darius Lakers got a got to find a way to to hold it down and there are uh, there are no really good good answers right in in the current context but um the they have to proceed forward over the next few weeks and uh so how, how do we get it's funny you were saying before the pod you know and you said on the site too lakers gonna be bad and we probably probably will be that said this is a resilient group that faced a lot of adversity last year and adversity is manifesting itself in a much different way this season, but this is a group of pretty mentally strong guys. Even the new guys, I think, fit that description as well. But that said, there are some serious basketball issues without LeBron, without AD, and without probably Mark for a game or two more. I mean, look, man, we're not the sugarcoating type around here. Mm-hmm. We will say when the team's playing great and looking great, and we will say when the team is not looking great or playing great. This isn't either one of those scenarios, really. The thing I was thinking about last night during the Suns game is we went through all of those seasons where the Lakers were just not a good team. 
right? They were a lottery team. They had drafted a bunch of young guys who typically do not contribute to winning, right? Um, I think we were all invested in those young players' development, but we sort of understood what the path was. And then last season, the team took a massive leap forward with the acquisition of, of Anthony Davis and our analysis of the team changed and our outlook of the team changed. Expectation. Yes. Yeah. This group now resembles very much a team that was one of the bad teams that we rooted for, right? Like they're just talent deficient in a way that is going to make it hard for them to win at a level that would, if this was the team the entire season, that would be a playoff team. But this team is built around two top five players or two top five-ish players in LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. And so the expectations for the group as a whole are a championship contending team. And so the disconnect here between the current version of the squad makes it hard for me to take anything away from this upcoming stretch of games beyond just like, damn it, this is going to suck. I get that there's basketball stuff to look for, and I'm sure we'll get into that stuff in a little bit. But Mike, I had messaged this to you last night during the game that it's just a frustrating time, I think, for Lakers fans. And, and my headspace is still in that mode of frustration, guys. Like, I'm like, damn, LeBron got rolled up on in a way that I don't want to legislate that on this pod. I thought the guys who spoke on that after the Hawks game, they pretty much represented my mindset there. But it's a frustrating thought to think that, look, it could be weeks still without both of those guys. And that's a long time. Now, without LeBron, it's sort of just like, all right, well, they have to find a way to hold it down. Like the sarcasm in me said, oh, they'll be held down. All right. Like they're going to be held down by the other team because they're just not talented enough right now to, to compete at, at a level that going into the season, we, we would expect them to. And so Mike, I'll ask you a question, but you don't have to answer it now. Are there specific things that you're looking for with this specific group of guys for the next two to three weeks, like Anthony Davis is going to be out at least that much longer. And who knows with LeBron. So what are your eyes on right now? Well, so if the issue with the roster, and this is typically a good thing for the Lakers, they have a lot of guys that fit in really well into support and complementary roles around a star. And in this case, of course, the stars are LeBron and AD, and they fit even a little bit better tailored specifically to those guys but you can look around the rest of the league and pull out some teams and say, even if you're, so take like Indiana. Okay. They've got DeMontis Sabonis, who was an all-star. You know, I don't, I don't know if he's an all-star in the West, but he's an all-star still kind of a player that you can run your offense through to a, to a degree. And then they've got the rest of their sort of role player guys around him. And they're 19 and 22, you know, in the East, Chicago has an emerging all-star this year in Zach Levine. Same record, 19 and 22, with some, you know, some decent complimentary pieces. But I would say the Lakers have more complimentary pieces and role players. This goes back, guys, for the 25th time I've cited the three through eight podcast. Like that part of the roster has emerged to be really good uh, for the Lakers and it even goes further to nine to 10, right? And, and so on. But when you take away the, 
players that are just by their very nature of being on the court are going to demand almost the entire scouting report. And then a team gets almost overwhelmed by, say, Montrez Harrell's screen roll off the bench when you're already having to gear things towards what are we going to do with LeBron James? And that's without Anthony Davis, right? They had won four straight, and I think we saw that pattern continuing at least to a degree. And now that goes away, and it just becomes, Pete, an issue of how do you create an advantage when a team is is going to let certain guys in the starting lineup shoot? They're going to you know load up in other parts of the half court because they don't have to double. They don't have to trap anybody, really. And that's going to be the trick. So the way the Lakers can win games, as I present one sort of other complicating factor here, uh, and I, I cite this a lot, too. So before the Lakers, this is a while ago, but I, I worked for the Timberwolves, and I would travel and go to different arenas, and teams would teams would look up and they think, oh, okay, the Timberwolves are here tonight. Uh, we don't have to bring it to the same degree. And sometimes the Wolves could catch teams just on that principle. And the Lakers, even without LeBron and AD, they're not going to get that luxury. Teams are going to think, oh, cool, Lakers, night off, no LeBron, no AD. They're going to think, ooh, the Lakers are here. Let's smack them because they smacked us last year, and they're still the title favorites, and we want to make sure they're as low as possible in the standings. So I don't think they're going to have that opportunity either, uh, Pete, to just be catching a team or two that's thinking, oh, okay, no, you know, we don't have to focus tonight. I think teams are going to be thirsty, um, like Phoenix was, waiting for the Lakers to come in. Well, that's certainly true. I do think that mentality underlies like, look, we're not going to be a good team with LeBron and AD out, but can we win 30, 35% of our games or yeah. is it 10 to 20% of our games, right? That that's the battle, whatever you're faced with, right? Especially from a, from a coaching standpoint is like, you got to play the hand that you're dealt and play it as well as you possibly can. And that starts with mentality. I was actually encouraged by the game against Phoenix in that, that to me, I was thinking that was a schedule loss when I was looking at the schedule as it came out afterward, right? The second night of a back-to-back with the first night as a Saturday afternoon game, second night in Phoenix against a very good Third Phoenix game in four nights too, Pete. That, like. That's right. Third game in four nights. I think it was five and seven as well. Um, so that was going to be a difficult game, even if we were at full strength with Anthony Davis and LeBron as well. We were down by 18 with less than a minute left in the second quarter. And we had every reason to pack it up and lose by 30, lose by 35. And nobody would have hollered about that, right? We ended up losing by 17, but it was in that like eight, eight to 10 point range for a decent portion of the fourth quarter. And what happened was the Suns had to bring their starters back in and they had to turn up to that closing gear. Right. And then that's when talent won out and they closed out that game. But in order for us to be that, let's win 30 or 40 percent of our games. Again, this is we're trying to hold it down during this stretch. We're not going to do anything crazy, but there are games coming up on the schedule. I I would love for us to have one more guy back. Like if Mark can get his win back at at any point soon, I think that would be very helpful. But just a uh, a quick note on Mark. So he, I'm in this, I'm in the studio for the road games and we have a, there's a camera that they can switch to that goes onto the court for pregame warmups essentially. And mm -hmm. he was, he was doing on the court work, which I didn't, which I didn't see him do the previous game. 
um, when I was at the arena. So that was at least a good sign. Now, Frank did say it could be another game or two. So mm-hmm. we'll see when he comes back. And I'm not expecting him to play in New Orleans as such, but at least he's out there working, right? That that shows you something about yes. getting some action. For sure. So hopefully at some point this upcoming week, we get him back. We've got like the Cavs. We've got Orlando. We've got Sacramento coming up. And while I agree with you, Mike, on the point that the Lakers don't enjoy the same uh, overlooking, no matter how bad we are, the the same thing that like when the Timberwolves come to town, I do think that there is a natural human reaction to let your guard down and let it, you know, just relax. No LeBron, no AD. We got this. We should be okay. And I uh, think Pete, Pete, I thought that was going to happen too. But do you remember anybody doing that when the Lakers were bad the last right, couple of years? So here's the thing: that was that was in part because we stunk. We had young players. Like to me, Dennis Schroeder. This is a great time for Dennis to step up as a leader. I don't know if you guys caught the. I know you did, Mike, but the the his post game interview and he very much was stepping into that role. Like this is an opportunity for everybody that's here. We need to shoot more threes. We need to play with more pace. We need to play exactly the opposite. game plan. So hit the stuff that he said is the exact stuff that I wrote in response to LeBron's injury. There is a certain amount of more high variance play that the Lakers are going to need to incorporate in their day-to-day game plan. Right. And, and so they will need to shoot more threes. They will need to play faster. Right. Um, look to try to get the other team off balance to to second your point, Pete, and and sorry to jump in is one of the reasons why I thought Phoenix, for example, was very well suited to play a LeBron and AD less Lakers team is Chris Paul and their, their leadership. And, And there was a seriousness and tone that Phoenix brought to the game. That was evident from the beginning, right? They did not play as well as they could have. They missed, more shots than what I anticipated them missing. Chris was the real thing to turn that what Pete referenced in the fourth quarter. He had three, he had two steals and a block on four possessions that basically ended and, the game. In the and, and they had to tap into that. That's my point. Like Dennis is a leader too. And we've got veterans and that's why the, the whole like teams didn't do that in the past. We had kids, right? Like Dennis has run offenses before he's been like we, and we've got guys like Trez is still kicking people's asses. And we've got, uh, I think THT is enormously important during the stretch. Actually, that's my question for you. Let's get into some of the actual basketball stuff. I think that Taylor is, I think Taylor should be in the starting lineup replacing LeBron. There are, and first let me say that, None of the options that Frank Vogel has presented are anywhere close to perfect. Any idea that I have, any anything that's different than what he's doing, they're all bad ideas too, right? Like there's no, there's nothing that's uh, oh, he should definitely be doing this. And so I'm not, I'm not going to be too upset with whatever direction Vogel goes in. But I think in order to maintain the structural integrity of our team, D. A guy who can break down the defense off of the dribble is essential if we are because in order to scratch out a few wins during this stretch, we don't need guys to do more than what they're capable of. For example, I think Kuz is trying to do a little bit too much right now. And that's something that guys try to do. He feels a great responsibility to step up as everyone does. But the way that you step up is by doing what you do a little bit more. And having a guy who can break down the defense, he's not LeBron, nobody is, but having a guy who can do that puts Wes, puts KCP, puts Keefe in particular, and even Coos to an extent, in a position to be able to do what they do well 
in a way that the types of threes that we were getting with both KCP and Wes in that starting lineup together and without anybody aside from Dennis, who's really more of a scorer than a facilitator, they were taking shots that they cannot hit on a regular basis. The types of shots that they normally get come off of collapse defense. I talk about advantage creation and advantage finishing. THT is an advantage creator. He's going to make mistakes within that. But I think Talon is a 35-minute-per-game guy during this stretch of time. If we want to win, I think we need to have two of the three out of Dennis, Talon, and Trez on the floor. The argument I would make in support of your argument, Pete, is just a floor balance question. This has seemingly been a pretty important idea for Vogel in the last month or so, and especially coming out of the All-Star break, is he has almost always wanted a second side ball handler next to LeBron, which is, mm-hmm. a, which is a pretty big departure from his idea last season, right? And part of that is just personnel and the construct of the specific roster. That There's more of those guys now this season than there was last season. But even last season, there wasn't as much of, say, for example, like like Caruso played a fair amount with with LeBron, but his minutes next to Rondo, for example, weren't as frequent. Right. And and so Rondo was often the lone shot creator on the floor last season and, and paired a lot with Anthony Davis, who is a different type of shot shot creator, but not a perimeter based one. But this. For the last month or so, and coming out of, out of the All-Star break especially, you've seen a lot of, all right, well, LeBron and Dennis are on the floor, obviously, in, in the starting lineup, but he started to stagger their minutes much more and treating them almost like he treated LeBron in AD last season. And then the second guy was almost always going to be THT and or Caruso. Right. In order to 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 double or triple down on having more ball handlers on the court who could penetrate the defense and and in Caruso's case, make secondary plays when in the middle of the floor. Right. Caruso. Caruso's an important guy, too, here, Pete. And maybe we can talk about him more in the second half of the pod. When you talk about doing what you do, but doing it more. There is also a certain amount of of sharpening some of the things that you do do in order to make in in order to punch above your weight class a little bit. And that isn't skill based. It's decision making based. And and that is, to me, the, the question of slotting isn't just a talent thing. It's a what types of decisions do you make when your role grows? thing. It's one of the reasons why players often see their efficiency drop when their usage goes up. It's because the more you have the ball in your hands and the more decision making you have to do, the harder the game gets. Like it just does because the mental taxing that exists on you makes it so that you're just going to make more more mistakes you like that shot pass decision skew shot now this time and oh well guess what that's a bad shot and so you miss and as those misses pile up your true shooting or your effective field goal percentage just goes down and, and that's just the the balance that happens it's what gets taken away from you um so i agree in terms of getting tht more more minutes whether he starts or 
doesn't start. I, I think that he does need to jump from a 22 to 25 minute guy, probably to a 28 to 32 or on the high end, a 35 minute guy. What like what say you, Mike? I think that's going to happen. I mean, he already played 29 minutes nearly. I guess it was you know 28 and a half minutes last game. And is he wasn't shooting the ball particularly well, but he, as Pete said, he's pretty clearly their kind of best advantage creator um, for somebody else. And I think that the the old, the starting thing makes sense, Pete. The only thing to me is that Frank is also he's been trying to figure out the stagger in terms of either sometimes it's got to be either shooter or sure. THT and sure. you know Caruso having the ball in his hand some. And so I think that that will happen. But it's I'm totally with the concept of it. And I'm going to, I've got a couple of things I was thinking about while both of you guys were, were going. And to one of Pete's earlier points that spoke a bit about optimism, the Lakers have a bunch of competitors here on, That's right. on this That's team. Absolutely so right. They're not going to, they're not just going to keel over and say, oh no, LeBron and maybe like there are several guys that are kind of excited about this mm-hmm. uh, in, in a way, like mm-hmm. they don't, they're not. And I think there's a difference be, between if LeBron or AD had gone down with a season-ending injury, that's where I think you it turns the whole mood of the locker room into one of like real despair. Like this right. is awful. This sucks. Right. Our season is screwed. Which is was probably true. Now I wouldn't honestly, I wouldn't completely. If LeBron's on the team with some guys that play hard, I would I would not just concede anything. Uh, but sure. that's a different thing because he's going to come back at some point. And so that's the first the first piece of the good news, I think, is, is what Pete hit on is that these guys are competitive and I don't have to go down the whole roster. But Wesley Matthews, Markeith Morris, Dennis Schroeder, Kuz, Trez, Caruso, like, the, uh, you know, THT. These are these are dudes that play hard um, and that are going to keep competing. Now, the second zoom out thing is if you look at the standings, you can get yourself into a bind thinking, well, wait a second. Well, Dallas. They're only, mm, they're four games back in the loss column and they're the eight seed. They're playing better. Lucas scoring 40 every night. They've won seven of 10. Portland's won seven of 10. They're going to get some guys back. You know, uh, Golden State is 22 and 21. That's right there. That's six games in the loss column. But you have to remember, A, these some of these teams are going to be losing games too because they're all going to be playing each other. So it's not like every team behind the Lakers is suddenly going to go on a six-game winning streak. It's impossible. Um, so, so the, first of all, some of that will balance out. Somebody else will get hurt and I'm going to, you know, just knock on wood in general. You don't want to root for injuries, but so stuff is going to happen where it, you don't just have to forecast this complete slippage of the Lakers into a tailspin. And also they are going to win some games and just winning a couple Pete, you suggested 30%, maybe 40%, you know, just right there. That's going to keep them. Okay. And I think that, if you if you want to think of this way, so let's say the Lakers fall into the uh, somewhere between five and eight because of all of these injuries, and we can get later into how many more games they've missed as starters compared to Utah and Phoenix, which is why, by the way, those guys are one and two in the conference. Can you imagine being Utah or Phoenix or Denver, and your reward is to yeah. get, <laughs> get healthy LeBron and AD who have been resting to an extent uh, in terms of the, their whole bodies, getting those guys back and being like, they have to face the Lakers in the round one. Can you imagine uh, Darius, the scramble to try and avoid the Lakers in round one in that last week of the season, as teams are kind of figuring out the scenes and the Lakers are going to be like, we don't care. It, so you get to almost be a hunter in that sense. There's probably. that meme. And look, I don't watch enough like sitcoms to know exactly what show it's from, but it's like the dude who's working in, in an office and he's got like the, 
pad and pencil out and he's like taking notes. I don't know if you know what meme I'm talking about. It's like a dude in like an office shirt. Maybe it's from The Office or one of those other shows. I think it's from The Office. That's me during these games. Yeah. And I. Oh, yeah. That's BJ Novak from The I Office. Told I told Mike last night. There are so many tweets that I deleted last night because I didn't want to get myself in trouble because I was in a bit of a salty mood last night and i'm going to continue to be in a salty mood for a little while just thinking about the lakers current circumstances and why they got there but you better believe me mike when you talked earlier about oh yeah all these teams they're going to see the lakers coming into town and they're going to want to throw dirt on them right because they're the reigning champs no one's going to feel sorry for them being down the guys that that they're down and they're going to try to step on their necks while they can Right. And so I'm the dude with the pen and the paper. And I bet LeBron and ADR too, sort of like, hmm, did this guy celebrate a little bit too much on a May 3 and look at the bench for no reason when we're over here in in street clothes? Mm, yeah. Let me write that down a little bit. Did did you hear the did you hear any of the sun? Oh, I, wa- I had to watch the feed on NBA TV. I am out of market, mm-hmm. as we've talked about a a bunch of times. So as much as I can, I watch on League Pass. So I missed I missed all of this. Feel free to let me know what you're so talking about. I watched so I watched the game on NBA TV because they black it out on League Pass when it's on NBA TV. Or whenever it's They're keeping us apart, Darius. That's not cool. They're keeping you and me, hey, me man, apart. Look, I'm trying to catch all the trudelisms during the game. You notice how Mike when he does his sideline hits, a lot of times they'll come back from break or something, or they'll kick it to Mike. Mike always like sneaks in yes. play by play. I love like Mike, Mike talks more. Mike does more play by play and talking about the game than Jeff Van Gundy does, even though he's talking about something else. It'd be like, yeah, and there's Wes off he's of like, a stagger screen. Yeah, you know, like, and so KCP is back in the locker room, guys, getting his ankle well, taped, and oh, nice dunk by Trez, great feed by THT with a well, drop off. Okay. That's right. Oh no, it's great. No, no, no. There, there, there are a couple schools of thought about this. So, in, in, on the one hand, since it's a television broadcast, right? You're, the producer sometimes will say, "Hey, you don't have to say what's going on in the play." And in, in my, in my kind of, and the producer is, is a fantastic guy named Mark Shaw, who's been the producer the whole time I've been there. He's awesome. Everybody loves him. He's great at his job. And I have the kind of the dialogue back and forth. I go with him. Is I was like, look, my generation of folks, and he and I are actually not that far apart in age, but uh, like. Even so me and younger, we're a lot of these folks are probably doing something else. They're looking at Twitter. Okay. They're like, they're whatever they're, they're not, it, not everybody is just sitting there um, and actually watching the game. So I just like to sneak in a quick, a quick mention of a, of a bucket basically, or a steal. And that's why, but traditionally as a reporter, uh, most reporters, I think just sort of read their or, or whatever, say what their thought is, but I like to try to sneak it in. So apparently no, it's, it's- Keep doing it, man. It's great. It's great. Well, I will add to just since we're on the mic is on TV stuff right now is my kids are nine and seven. Right. And so anyone on TV is basically super famous. So it's just like you see them on TV and they're just like, oh, like they're a celebrity. Right. And so my kids, sometimes they will come in and want to say hi to Mike and Pete before we start recording. They're on the screen. Pete and Mike are always very obliging and waving and asking them how school's going and this, this, that, and the other. So whenever I get to watch the Spectrum feed, we're watching and then there's Mike, right? He's on screen. He's doing his pregame updates about things to watch for and, and, and everything else. And 
every single time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My kids are just like, there's Mike. And my nine-year-old is always saying, I can't believe you know him. I can't believe you know him. <laughs> hey, man, I, I say that to myself all the time. I can't believe I know him. That's I got tough. his number in my phone. Anyway, we're <laughs> let's take a break. Let's stop making a mic blush. Uh. <laughs> when we come back, we'll keep going on, uh, on how we can, we can hold it down during this period of time. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to bring the mood down a bit, but we need to have a conversation that we needed to have for a minute now. What's up with KCP? KCP, the riddle wrapped in the enigma, wrapped in, I don't know, man, wrapped in a shooting slump, right? Like KCP is still shooting like 40% from three or around there. That's because he shot about 90% from three for the first like <laughs> That's two right. or three weeks of the season. So his percentages have just been falling and falling and falling for, you you know, the better part of eight weeks now, longer than that may be. And the sporadic nature of him having a good game, it, it always feels like he had gained a certain amount of benefit of the doubt 
from his run during the bubble and his march as a starter during the playoffs, especially and into the finals where he was very clearly the Lakers third best player. And we all showered KCP with deserved love and appreciation for the level on which he was able to reach and not only reach, but maintain that player has not been here this season. And we can get into all the context and reasons for that, which are all the same context and reasons that we've talked about for all, sort of all the up and down play that we've seen from teams that have made deep playoff runs um, the previous season, the the short turnaround, um, the sort of mental taxing of a compressed season and everything that goes goes with that. But KCP is struggling, man. And um, there's a couple of things that concern me with him. One is actual shot volume. He is just not getting up enough shots. When Dennis was talking about we need to shoot more threes, and I think it was David McMenamin uh, was like, oh, but you guys went five for 25. And Dennis was like, we need to shoot more threes. I, I, KCP is like the number one guy I think of when Dennis makes they that shot like 30 something threes against um, Minnesota. Or one of those, one mm-hmm. or Charlotte, sorry, it was Charlotte. Charlotte's one mm-hmm. of the league mm-hmm. leaders in three-pointers allowed. And so so it, it didn't surprise me that the Lakers got up a bunch of threes against a Hornets team that in seemingly plays a style of defense that is catered to allowing that shot more often. But the Lakers shot like 37 or 38 threes that game. Um, they shoot about 32 on the season i think like 30 or 31 per game that probably needs to go up to about 30 in between 35 and 38 a night um i don't know what their hit rate is going to be but when getting back to to kcp shot volume is too low for him and he is just not letting it fly and do trying to do more stuff off of the dribble and attacking closeouts. And, and I feel like we have this conversation once a month about him, but his struggles are real. And if it's a problem, man, like, like I don't know another way to frame it besides it just being an, an issue for this team and especially this version of the Lakers right now. Right. He is a starting player. He is a good NBA player. And when we talk about guys who sort of need to punch above their weight class or play more to a level that is going to help facilitate winning in those games that are winnable for the Lakers, KCP is one of those guys. He is one of your best six to seven guys. It's on him now to just be a more reliable player. Okay, I'm gonna do a zoom out and let's start in the post in the postseason last year. KCP played 29 minutes a game, which is probably a little bit less than you thought. And he scored 10.7 points. He took nine shots per game overall, hit 41%, and 5.7 were from three. And he was at 38%, basically, 37.8%. So, you know, 11 points, two rebounds, one assist, one steal. Right, right. That was that was what he was doing. I don't know if I I would probably say like if I had to pick a third most impactful player, I probably would pick Rondo or Caruso. 
Um, and then KCP after that, like I, he and Danny Green, right in that same mix where they defended really hard. They, uh, they competed all the time and they hit enough threes to keep defenses honest, but they are playing much more specific defined roles of just, uh, just, you're going to, you're going to be open for when the defense collapse on LeBron and AD, which they are going to do more in the postseason than in the regular season, because you're just, that's where the game, the scouting report, like that's why KCP is going to be more open for threes in the postseason Cause they're like, we're going to live with that. We are not letting LeBron, you know, get downhill. And in the regular season, that doesn't happen as much. So go back now to the regular season of the last two years. You would probably be surprised to know that KCP actually is shooting slightly more threes this year than he did last year in the regular, like regular season. And I say slightly because it's 3.7 to 3.5. The mix, are, it's about the same too. 1.3 last year, 1.5 this year. So he's actually shooting a little bit better overall. And, and you're right, some of that is because he had the hot streak in – late December, early January before he's cooled off. But his overall field goal attempts um, are down a little bit more because he's getting out in transition less. That's the whole thing. The whole Lakers team is getting out in transition a little bit less. So what are his minutes this year compared to last season? Same. I mean, last year was 25 and a half. This year, 26.1. What I think KCP, to me, the best way to understand him is that he is a, a real function of how the Lakers are playing. And he's like, he's not going to influence the way they're playing, but if they are playing tight knit, uh, lockdown defense, sprinting, getting on transition, teams are doubling LeBron in, in AD, he's going to play better because those are the times where he's fully engaged, where he just has to do what his job is uh, in, in situation. This season has not been like that as much. It's been different lineups. It's been AD has been out. It's been now LeBron is out. Uh, it's, it's pandemic, right? It's, it's just, there's all of this stuff all of these conditions that are a little different that seem to me to, to, to affect KCP and his game more than it does to others. And I think that's one reason why he had so, so much success in the bubble. It was just same thing every time. Like he, and, and I think that helps KCP. KCP is just a, uh, that's and, and I mean, this like in a, in a kind, in, in a good way, he is, if the coach says, Hey, here are your three jobs today, go out and do them well then I think he's going to do that. But that's this. So I know that it sounds almost like I'm making excuses for the way that he hasn't been as involved and he's not hitting as many shots of late. But I just I think that it is to an extent a product of what the circumstances has been. And does that show some limitations on his game? Yeah, sure. Uh, but you know, in, in theory, at some point, they'll be able to get back to where they were and then his value would go up. But I don't I don't know how it does in this current climate. I don't know how he he can get uh, do things a little different other than just yeah take more shots. Thank you for laying out all of that context. I think a, a little bit on, on the flip side of that context is that we didn't have long stretches without LeBron or AD, uh, which obviously we're just beginning that stretch without LeBron, but we've been without AD for a while. And typically if, if KCP is a nine point per game guy, when we've got everybody healthy, ideally what you want when one of the guys who takes 20 shots per game goes down is he's a, an 11 point per game guy, a 12 point per game guy, right? Where what we're, we've seen is that reduced shot volume, the multiple single digit games. And what I'm seeing is like, I don't know the reason why, but KCP does not look like KCP in that whole vein of like, I don't want any of our players to be anybody that they're not. I'm not asking KCP to be, you know, a primary ball handler or anything like that, but just do KCP things. He's not doing KCP things. He's not moving 
the way that he did last year. That's very noticeable. Um, he doesn't seem to have the same mental engagement. I'm seeing him make a lot of mistakes. And so the physical stuff, I don't know the, the extent of it and the extent to which he's feeling worn down physically, but this is an all hands on deck situation. The, the period of time that we're in right now without LeBron, without AD, we need every player's best degree of mental engagement. And he's the one guy that I, I see. There have been too many games where he's drifted, right? And you're right that there are limitations to his game, Mike, that there are components that are out of his control and that he's very much, his shot volume in a lot of ways is dependent upon the attention that other players draw. That doesn't prevent him from sprinting up court, doesn't com- prevent him from communicating on defense, doesn't prevent him from making his rotations. And so that is, he is the guy, Darius, that if we are going to win games in this stretch, like, so one of the things that I, I'm, I've been thinking is you can't have KCP and, and Wes on the floor at the same time because they're so, they're struggling so much as shooters that it really, that game yesterday, like our bench was really good. Like our bench kept us in that game. THT was a plus, I think three or six or something in that game last night in a game that we lost by 17. And it was the starting lineup that was especially bad. And like, so for example, Keith, Keith was asked to be a rim protector. I'm not going to be mad at Keith for not being able to go vertical on Devin Booker and dissuade a shot at the rim or, uh, keep DeAndre Ayton off of the offensive glass. Who's like, wait, so like Keith is the guy that's being put into bad positions, different positions. But you and I had a little exchange. Oh, we had man. the same thought at the same time in our little text thread last night where they drew up an ATO, an after timeout play in the fourth quarter, I believe it was, for KCP. And he got an exit screen coming off of the baseline and a wide open corner three. We talk about shooting percentages and things like that not all shots are created equal, right? And a lot of the threes that we took in last night's game were shots that they weren't open. They were toward the end of the shot clock. I don't expect our shooters to make that sidestep three with a hand in their face. What I do expect is our shooters to be able to make on a consistent basis shots where they get separation coming off of the screen. The screen setter sets makes good contact. I think that was Trez on that play and that they are open. There are certain shots that shooters hit on a regular basis that he's missing on a regular basis. And so when I talk about needing more from KCP, those are the types of things. Mix it up. Use your speed like knock down those those open shots and and that's it right and if that means you're a 10 or 11 point per game guy that's just part of the overall mosaic of how we are able to scratch out some wins during the stretch yeah Pete, let me just interject in and i'll to sort of toss this to darius but i think that those points to me are somewhat related in what you mentioned about the energy whether it's physical or mental and it not being there the same for KCV, that's part of what I should have kind of baked that into what I was saying from a big picture standpoint, because he was the guy who was the first to openly acknowledge that fatigue in just interviews with me Mm -hmm. before the break. And you can see it in the way that he, which is why I asked the question, right? Like you can see that there's just something and whether it's the, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's the, uh, the, the fact that he has been basically an iron man, you know, for these last several years, and it's just finally caught up. And he hasn't had a chance to the off season was supposed to be the time for him to, to uh, get back from that, whatever it is it, for him, 
it just seems to be impacting him more than other guys. And sometimes that can show up, Pete, in an open corner three shot. It seems like, well, how could that happen? Sure. He's a good shooter, right? We've seen this before. He's wide open. And that's just what I think we've seen that build now for a little while. And so now, but Darius, now that I've said all that, you're also not wrong that the Lakers are going to need yeah. more than that, right? It, whether that's from him or if he if he's not able to get there for an extended period of time. I just will say that Frank Vogel does, is not the coach that moves on quickly from a guy. And how much was he rewarded last year with sure. Rondo, for example, mm-hmm. or with KCP or with Danny Green? These are in those, I think, even even more strongly. I think the last thing that Frank Vogel is going to do is to is to acknowledge, you know, uh, an issue like this for KCP and bench him and put somebody else in, especially especially when the Lakers aren't healthy. So I just. You, it's like, I, I think you guys are right. It's just that I don't see anything changing or happening. Well, and, and Mike, we got nobody to bench him for. We're already down multiple guys. Who are you going to put in instead of KCP? There, there is no better option on the bench right now, right? And so that's why it's like he's he's been struggling. I know he's been struggling, and all of the reasons why he's been struggling are totally understandable. We need struggling. him and, and everybody, but we need him and everybody to muster whatever they've got right now. Like if you only got 40% right now, give a hundred percent of your 40%. And that, that is more mental engagement than anything else. Right. And so this is that period of time where having LeBron, having AD can allow guys to, I, I think one of the untold uh, successes and parts of the season that LeBron LeBron always says, you know, I've got broad shoulders is I think that he allowed a lot of guys to kind of get their wind, get their legs back and still collect wins in the first half of the season in a way that you'll never see quantified in particular. But there were a lot of guys who had game like Keith. It took a while for Keith to get the, the engine up and running. Right. And there were several guys to some extent, Mark, that we were able to still win games with guys being allowed to do that. But this isn't that period of time. We need everybody's best right now and everybody's highest degree of mental engagement to, and we're still going to lose games as when, when we do that. But it is that difference to me between winning 30, 40% of them or 10 to 20%. The thing that, so a part of me hates to pile on KCP because he is sort of like, Lakers fans on the internet, he is their whipping boy. And I feel like we start to pile on KCP a little bit too much. And then suddenly his mentions get flooded on Twitter with like a bunch of negative stuff. And so a part of me is just like putting myself in KCP shoes, right? Sure. And And he's got heart, man. He's a champion. He was a big part of that run. And so that benefit of the doubt that he had from Laker fans and has from Laker fans is earned. It's running out for him too a little bit here during this stretch. I mostly want him to play well for him. Like not because it's going to help the team win more like that secondary to me. It's a close second, right? Because I'm a fan and I want to see the team do well, but for the most part, I want these dudes to play well because they're trying man. they want to play well. They want to be at their best. They want to do their job the right way and at a high level night to night to night because they're they're prideful and they're professionals and that's this whole team is full of those guys man like we talked about it earlier it's like the other side of the coin in terms of competitiveness that the reason why they're competitive 
the way that they are is is because of that that personal accountability that I think all of these guys have in order to want to be the best version of themselves night after night after night. And to speak to Mike's point, it's one of the reasons why a coach like Vogel trusts almost all of these guys to do it and why he's not going to give up on them or admonish them publicly or even hint at the fact that any of this stuff is a concern to him in the public sphere because he wants to continue to back them because he knows it matters to them more than it matters to three guys on a podcast. That said, I want to pivot. I I brought this guy up earlier because I think he's important. I want to talk a little bit of Alex Caruso just for a minute. He is, to me, one of the more important players during this stretch without LeBron and and without AD. It's not because he is a box score stuffer, but it is because he is that glue guy that makes line that makes a lot of lineups work. Like you will see me tweet this out once a night. Alex Cruz is a winning player. He makes winning basketball players. He a winning basketball a winning basketball player is not a highlight dunk. It's not a, a nifty block at the rim. He will do that stuff too. He makes, he draws charges. He makes the secondary read on, on a play. He understands the pass that needs to be made and then will make it. He had a fantastic whip pass, man, to the left-hand corner driving middle off off of a pick and roll. He had some really great pick and roll chemistry with Trez last night, hitting him with pocket bounce passes where Trez got several finishes in the paint and draw and drew a couple of fouls too. Crusoe also is still struggling, I think, a little bit with like shot pass decision making, and he's looking to pass a little bit too much. Is there anything, Pete, like I'd like to see him be more aggressive personally as a scorer. I want to see him try to get downhill, try to attack the basket a little bit more, work his way to the foul line, make defenses respect him a little bit more as as a shot maker, especially driving to the basket. Because if there is one thing the Lakers need more of, it's another guy even outside of you talked about. THT's value and Dennis's value, that value comes from threatening the rim. The Lakers are still built off of that idea of threaten the front of the rim, and that's going to get everything else going. Caruso's another guy who can do that. I'd like to see him do more more of that. What say you, though? I think that the place to do that is more in transition with Alex than anywhere else. Um, he had a stretch prior to the all-star break and then coming back, right? Like he, he's still getting his legs. He meant mentioned this the other day that, you know, he played seven minutes, then got the con- concussion or was in concussion protocol against Indiana and came back and had played in like two and a half weeks in that month or so of calendar time that I'm talking about a lot of his defensive play. It was some of the worst defense I've seen him play. Right. And he was not making plays. He was not getting deflections. He was not taking many charges. And that was one part of the making it competitive last night that where I thought he was he was taking charges. He was getting deflections. He was doing Alex Caruso things. Right. And so I'm less I think we've got enough guys between Dennis and THT in particular with Trez mixed in that that now Alex will absorb some of that. I don't think he's got the skill set to be too much more aggressive as a scorer. 
I'm more looking at, are you able to make plays on defense and be disruptive and get us out on the run? Because the less that we have to face a set five-on-five defense with this particular group, the better. That's one of the things I think why Dennis is talking about. We got to play with better pace. Um, But last night's game was encouraging from a, oh, that looks like Alex Caruso to me, right? What say you, Mike, about about AC? Where does he fit into this ecosystem without LeBron and AD? Yeah, I thought he had a good game in Phoenix, but the bummer about Caruso is that one of the things that makes him so great is how smart he is and how how much he's able to play off the advantages that are created by superstars. And I think that stuff, it just it just naturally goes away some when LeBron's not out there and to a lesser extent when AD's not out there. So I, I do think that that impacts Caruso's game in a negative way. And he's not, he's not the same as even THT where... When, when I asked Frank Vogel or anybody asked Frank Vogel about, hey, what are you guys going to do without LeBron and AD? He's not he's not first coming to KCP or to Crusoe, right? He's going to the guys that like Kuzma, THT, and Harrell that have some more of that offensive pop. And so you, I think you're right, Pete. You don't want to be asking everybody to try and step up what they do. And Darius, if I could, I'll kind of, I'll loop KCP back into this discussion and a couple other guys, this makes me think of like Danny Green from last year and or just anybody that gets heat because they miss an open shot. You know, with the Lakers, one of the reasons why these guys miss shots, and by the way, KCP still at 40% for the season, as we pointed out, is because on the Lakers, under Frank Vogel, they defend their asses off. So their legs are a little bit more tired. On this is a great point. Yeah. They, that's what happens. If you guys both played basketball, you both coach basketball, if you sprint your ass around the defensive side of the court of chasing Damian Lillard, and then you get down and, and you go up for an open three and all of us watching on TV are thinking, oh, that's that's got to go in. You forget that the legs have just worked harder. And also to sprint. So I don't know. It, it's it is basketball. Every player has to do this to an extent. But I do think when you're the number one defensive team in the league and you're the number three defensive team, even after Anthony Davis gets hurt, that's because these guys are giving you a lot on that end. And I, I just think that it's something to keep in mind when we're seeing either a missed shot or just some lack of pop on that end. Because for the most part, and against even against Phoenix, which is a bad mismatch uh, size-wise, et cetera, uh, with, with what they had to deal with with other guys. It's just it's something I always like to bake in, and it's why I'm a little bit more patient with this specific team with the one exception of a mistake I made with Rondo last year. That was, that was a place where I was just wrong. Uh, but with KCP and Danny Green, I kept saying, chill, chill, they'll be fine. Um, and, and I think that they were, which is. No, so all of those are good points, Mike. And, and I think the bigger picture context is, is something we should all strive for when providing analysis on the team, because I think that it allows folks to at least consider all of the different variables that go into playing winning basketball, right? This Lakers team right now is going to have a hard time playing winning basketball within the context of the scoreboard. That said, one of the things that Vogel is going to have to do and the players are going to have to keep this mindset is they have to continue to play winning basketball even if they don't win. Pete, you said you were encouraged in the Suns game. And I was as well. I thought it was a very much like don't bury us game. Don't feel sorry for us. That's right. Like second night of a back-to-back, third game in four nights, like you saying that possibly fifth game in seven. I haven't looked at the calendar that closely. 
my concern is like anything else happens in life is you want to be rewarded for doing the right thing over and over again right like like you make the right defensive rotation you actually want the stop and you want to get the rebound at the end so that you could go play offense right you you make the extra pass you you create advantage you do all of those things you want to see the shot go in right you play your ass off for 48 minutes and you compete on both ends of the floor at the end of the game you want to win right like that's the point of the game sorry to channel my her my inner herm edwards there um there's a mental part of this that the the taxation that happens over an extended period of time when you give your all but do not see the results from that does it concern you at all that yes this team has mentally strong guys yes they're super competitive yes i think that they have the right infrastructure and culture to try to manage this this type of stretch but it's going to be rough sledding for these guys emotionally and mentally if they don't get like if they don't rack up a few wins over over some of these these teams that are probably comparable to them from a talent standpoint uh yes but i would be more concerned if it were mike made this point earlier that if this were a permanent thing if this were a season ending injury or or injuries i think that that like oh this is who we are comes into play and then you can bust your ass and play as hard as you can and make all these rotations and still lose by 12. I think at some point that not getting that reward of the win at the end of it can become frustrating. I think that for one, there's opportunity. There's shots in this, right? Both both Dennis and, and Trez are free agents at the end of this season. Dennis is in the middle of contract negotiations right now, right? So there's some opportunity in this of if Dennis can – rally this team if trez if those two guys can be the hub of of this team and be competitive and get what i'd call like okc thunder type of wins during this stretch then that's quite a case they can make for themselves going going into this offseason um and but the point comes down to lebron and ad are coming back we just need to be able to persevere and tell that point so i think that we are we are figuring out how to play without those guys. That's one of the reasons why I was encouraged by last night is there were stretches of the game where it was not good at all, but there were other stretches of the game where it was like, okay, we can do this. We can replicate. And we had good bench lineups out there. It's not like the the bench group in those second and, and third quarters are guys who can't go out and do that on a regular basis. It's more figuring out the starting lineup, but there's some building blocks to build off of. Yeah. The, the, the starting lineup is going to be an issue though. And it's going to be a big For issue sure. against New Orleans. Zion, uh, Zion uh, is going to score 103 well, points. The biggest oh problem God. with the starting lineup is a complete and utter lack of rim protection. And guess what Zion does? I, I was looking through the game log for Zion earlier in just in preparation of this Pelicans game. And just out of the, the top of your head, how many games do you think Zion has been under 50% from the floor this season? Oh, my God. One or two. One or two, says Pete. There is. You got to guess. And just for context, he has played in 40 games. Okay, so I'll say. I'm going to say four. zero. Okay. 
Okay, so it's three. It's actually three. And one of the ones was against the Lakers when the oh, Lakers yeah, smacked right. them. And he, he went nine for 19. And guess what? If there's one guy in the NBA best suited to limit Zion, it's Anthony Davis. Another one of maybe five or six guys that combines the speed and sort of uh, athleticism and, and mental acuity to and do strength. so is LeBron James. And strength. And those. Yes. Yep. And strength. Yeah, exactly. And strength. Because you got to have something in your back pocket, as Stu likes to say, if you're going to hold up there. And so, you know, Markeith Morris, Kuzma in the at the four or five, Wesley Matthews at the three, even if they. Yeah, I mean, Harrell said, like, none of these guys are. So I don't even know how you build that game plan, Pete. I don't know if the you can't even really trap Zion. They'll give him the ball now atop the three point line, and he'll just kind of like take one dribble to his left. So that to me is going to be a, a really tricky one. And also, you always get like the, the Lakers just beat the Pelicans last time convincingly. Now, now you got Ingram, you got Lonzo, and you got Josh Hart. Josh Hart's going to be out there just fiending for rebounds right against this small lineup. So They're I, I think this is going to be tough Malika, one, uh, after every. After yeah, every battle. Yeah. And Rob and Rob will just kind of yeah, you know yeah. put his ring right. you know, up to his right. up to his lips. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's maybe they'll get their it. first win it. against us. Maybe they'll get their first win against us since the AD uh, trade. Because we've been whooping them. But Pete, the Zion, so, Zion, yeah. Zion's a problem. Zion's gonna be a problem. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know, man. That's the thing. Like, I don't have any good answers. If you if you got there ain't no scheme that that can you, you have to build a wall. You our best chance against New Orleans That's is right. hope they miss open threes. You gotta help you gotta help and just collapse into the paint. And if that gets kicked out to Eric Bledsoe, well, so here's fingers the thing crossed. is I wrote about this and Dennis talked about this some. Um, the Lakers are gonna have to junk it up a little bit, man. Like, and I know Vogel is sort of a He's not Nick Nurse out there. And, and that's not to and that's not a demerit to Vogel, right? Vogel's a championship coach in in his own right. And, and there's a bunch of of building habits and foundational system stuff that Vogel strongly believes in and was rewarded with not only with a championship with with the Lakers, but deep playoff runs in in Indiana with the Pacers, right? Like he's a very good basketball coach, but there is a certain amount of like, okay, well the Lakers flashed some zone the other day. Um, like, are they going to go more zone against Zion? Right. Mike, like yeah. you're not going to play one-on-one yeah. -on -one against us and we're not going to double you in the same way. Oh, like, Oh, you want to play point Zion? Well, you're not going to be able to run some of this like up screen action with JJ Redick and play two man game in this same, same exact way. You're going to have to do this against a two, three zone. Oh, all, all right. Pelicans like now are the Lakers going to be susceptible to offensive rebounding? Like there, there's a whack-a-mole element to what the Lakers are going to have to deal with during this entire stretch without LeBron and, and AD. The hope is though, is that can you junk it up enough so that down down the stretch you're looking at a at a four to six point game in either direction rather than a 10 to 14 point game right because against the suns it was just like okay the talent discrepancies there but against some of these teams guys 
it's not that talent discrepancy, that gulf is not going to be as as large if a gulf exists at all. Right. And, and, and so, yes, the Pelicans are going to be a problem. And any given night, you're going to have some real matchup issues or challenges that are going to need to be overcome for the Lakers to win some of these games. That said, this is where coaching and to a certain extent, the players, I said this earlier, but punching above their weight a little bit. And, and it would be nice to have KCP have one of those nights where he's just like, okay, well he got off 11 or 12 shots, right. And went four for six from three. It'd be nice if Wes got a game where he got off eight shots and went, you, you know, three for six from three or three for seven from three. And there is some advantage creation stuff that can come from Dennis, that can come from Trez, that can come from THT. And I still believe that Alex Caruso can create some advantage as well, even if he is an advantage extender, as Pete has liked to call him in, in the past. There is just a time, this is a time now where the freedom of more minutes, of a more sure role of what you're going to be asked to do, even if it's more than usual, is going to be consistent night to night to night. And I'm hoping that freedom can lead to a little bit of, of all right, well, like the Lakers have seen from some of these guys that go up against them, where it's just like, oh, well, look, I'm guaranteed my 30 minutes tonight or my 25 minutes tonight. Well, guess what? In those 25 minutes, I'm just going to play loose. I'm going to play free. And mentally, while I need to be locked in, I'm not going to let that weigh on me in a way that that causes me to not be at my best. And if there's anything I want to see during this stretch, it's sort of just that idea of, look, we're the Lakers. We know we're going to get everyone's best shot. But guess what? I'm going to give my my best shot, too. And let's just roll the ball out and let's see what we can make happen. Yeah. Uh, very interesting turn to the season. Um, but I have a lot of belief in the the competitors and, and we still have talent on this team. Um, hopefully Mark will be back soon. I think we need a big body, right? Which the Zion point speaks to that. Just having a little more, more beef around the rim and uh, can, can solve a lot of issues and put us in a place where I think we can be competitive and get scratch out some of those wins. Um, hopefully we'll get a timeline for LeBron. We don't know when AD's coming back, but we do have this stretch of a, a couple weeks up to a few weeks where guys are going to need to hold it down and I, I have some belief that that they'll be able to do that and the phoenix game was encouraging in that respect so we'll see got the pelicans coming up on tuesday and a, a few more games this week uh we're going to learn a lot about what they can do without lebron and ad but until then you've been listening to laker film room podcast we'll catch you guys next time james has got it in low to mikhail mikhail wants to turn his double team just pass out of front broken up by worthy Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic. Got it. Magic fires. It's in. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA a lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. 
Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the move, two, one, listen! It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat mother of three, and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.